Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I am joined today, and as always, by my friend and business partner, Mr. Jason Johnston Yellen. Hi, Jason. How you doing? Hello, Joshua. I am doing fine. That is good. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> we should do the whole podcast in stilted, <laughs> stilted sentences. We should we should interview Siri one week about whiskey, and then and we should talk like Siri for that episode. <laughs> what is single malt? <laughs> we could transcribe an entire podcast, and then just mm. you know. Select all and press speak. Oh, gosh. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, it's nice to see you. I'm just back from a, a family vacation in Southern California. You are. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was a lovely time. I still managed to squeeze in a little bit of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had a tremendous uh, visit with my two boys, who are 10 and 7, uh, to Green Flash uh, Brewing. Oh, right. They are, they are 10 minutes drive from the front door of my mother-in-law's apartment. Right, lovingly known as Safta. Lovingly known as Safta, but yeah, 10 minutes away. It's it's the easiest drive in the world. If I had a bicycle, I would go on a bike. It's really fantastic. So anyway, so Southern California was magnificent. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back in Virginia. Uh, I can tell you my grounds crew did miss me. Uh, they were all... <laughs> They were all hugs and fist pounds uh, when when we returned late on Thursday night. They were all yeah. waiting at the door to unpack my suitcases, so that was that was very nice of them. I picture your grounds crew as <laughs> as, as just you know peasant folk with Cockney accents. Like, how do you import you know the, the cast from um, 1968's <laughs> Oliver the Musical? Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. I'm talking to you. It is. This is a terrible running joke. It makes me feel guilty every single time I do it. But uh, it's good fun. Good fun. Anywho, anywho. <laughs> so, so you were you were mentioning to me off air uh-huh. that you were you were curious about something that we do in the beginning of our uh, podcast. Yes. Because I know you've been driving a lot. Yeah. You've been listening to some older episodes. I do. I listen to older episodes because yeah. I just, I think we learn, you know, you learn from the past. I agree. Right? I agree. Those, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Right. Right. Uh-huh. So we end up saying the same jokes every time. Um, <laughs> now, now our listeners know how our wives and children feel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's that joke again. Thanks, Dad. Uh-huh. It's hilarious the first uh, 150 oh, times. I, I, I said the same thing to Haida that I say to her at least once per week. It's, you know, when you, you scrape yourself or one of our kids scraped themselves or something like that. And I go back to 1983's Bad Boy with Sean Penn and right. Poppy from Jerry Seinfeld and, and some other things. And there's this one guy that says, I lost my brother. All you lost was some skin. <laughs> and and I've, <laughs> I, I've been saying that to Perfect. her for, for 14, 15 years now. And, uh, you know, she stopped laughing. No. About 14 or 15 years ago. <laughs> She does. She doesn't give you the same laugh that I just gave you there, hearing that for the first time. She doesn't give you that laugh every single you'd time. Think, you'd think. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Haida. Oh, are we giving away names? Oh, there it is. Are That's we doing okay. that? Everyone you gave away my brother's name, so. Uh, everyone will hear that and they'll say, oh, okay, Heidi. You know, so they'll just I screw know, it up. So, yes. So, so, I, I so anyway, you've been listening. Yes. You've had this, this conversation in your own head mm-hmm. that you're now bringing out at the beginning of the podcast. Well, I, I wondered what the importance was of us listing out what it is what we do that we do every mm. week. Does hmm. does it matter? Do people want to hear that? You know, we we do all these things. Does that give us, you know, whiskey street cred? Do is it just fun for us? What do you think? I I think aside aside from the fact that you make me do it uh, every episode, <laughs> I, um, we get new listeners was a on every episode. Yeah, and and you know. For some of them, they might have known about Single Cast Nation first without knowing about the tours or the or the festivals. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody came to a festival and is now hearing about us. It's, I think it's a good catch-all. I think our regular listeners are, you know, I think they understand that, you know, we're just putting it out there for, for people to remember what it is, what we do, that we do. <laughs> uh, did I get it right for the first time ever? For the first time <laughs> ever. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what I just said. That's the trouble. <laughs> uh, which, which brings me to my final point, which is if we did away with the list, we would have no catchphrase. That's true. And dozens of T-shirts <laughs> that are about to arrive. And now that you've gone to print. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I think it's – honestly, I think it's a fine thing to have. I think we, we cover it quickly. New listeners get to know a bit about us. Old listeners can uh, – can recite it with us oh look at that uh, or a bit of fun as if i could actually say it the same way every single week no but every week you, you do you purposely change it up or? no i have i have literally no idea what i say from minute to minute tomorrow uh, <laughs> so, told me that i know I, I used to lecture the exact same way i, I lectured without any notes um <laughs> i i do the same thing in my in my tastings i i go without notes i just I just make it up as I go along, and I, I hit all the, the usual high notes, and then I fill it in. The, the, the only thing, I'm just, I'm always just careful that I don't say the F word too many times. Fuck. Okay, so <laughs> with that said. With that said. What is it what we do that we do? We mm-hmm. run an independent bottling company called Single Cast Nation. Yes. Available online and now a separate line in stores. Oh, I like the delineation there. Thank you. Check us out at singlecastnation.com if you'd like to learn more. Mm-hmm. We have a whiskey festival that we run called Whiskey Jubilee. And we're in New York, Chicago, and Seattle. Yeah, Chicago coming up, too. Oh, that's in the news section. Spoiler Help. alert. Uh, you can look us up, whiskeyjubilee.com, and that's J-E-W mm-hmm. in the Jubilee. And before... Josh makes me back it up. I will say that we are a whiskey festival. First and foremost, you do not have to be Jewish to attend, uh, but there is fun to be had uh, at our Jubilee events. So please check us out. And finally, we run Whiskey Tours of Scotland called Whiskey Geek Tours. uh, And you can check those out. We just, I think, put up a a new website for that. We did. Uh, Yep. Whiskeygeektours.com. And uh, Josh, is there an E in whiskey? There is never 
an Ian whiskey. <laughs> never. Forget everything you've learned. There's never an Ian whiskey. Uh, however, if somebody was to make an accidental slip of the finger yeah. and spell whiskey geek tours with an Ian whiskey, what might happen? They will be redirected to whiskey geek tours without an E. Look at us. Look at us. Just purchasing URLs as if, Left they're, and right. as if they're nothing. Left and right. Making it rain URLs. You know, and we actually bought a, uh, a, a URL. To, it's Nike without an E. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway, anyway, good show today. Yes. Excited about it. I'm very excited about this one. The last episode we put out was a recap of our Whiskey Jubilee NYC. Mm -hmm. uh, I did go back and listen to that. Strangely, oh. and I don't know what the listener's experience was, I didn't think we sounded as tired as we were. Um, my voice sounded pretty destroyed, but hmm. not as destroyed as it actually was. So somehow the powers of technology... Uh, well, covered up for us. Yeah, it's it. The thing is, it, it's difficult to hear bags under your eyes. <laughs> Man, the, my, the bags had bags. They were <laughs> under my cheeks. I actually had jowls. I was so tired. <laughs> they had, your bags had matching luggage <laughs> <laughs> and a carry-on. Um, and so yeah, so we did our Jubilee recap. That was a that was a great little festival. Great mm. interviews. I love the way that episode came together. Yeah. Uh, before that, we had a great interview with Matt Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And before that, we had a great interview with Denny Potter. And That's three American focused podcasts. It is. Yep. It, is. It, it is. It is. And and this week we make a, a return to to the Scottish side of the industry. Yeah. Uh, before we before we start talking about it. Um, and this is, if you will, backing up just a oh. just a touch, a scoosh, if you yeah, will. Yeah, I like what uh, you're doing there. That's you know that is you. a uh, a sound technique. Is that a pro move? Yeah, it's a pro move. So when I was listening to the raw footage of this week's interview, um, there there are a few background chatterings there's mm -hmm. there's a little bit of <laughs> slamming of plates and, and silverware slash cutlery and uh and at one point there's a there's a conversation with a waiter and so, <laughs> so where did you conduct this week's interview joshua Hatton? well i want to be very clear there was no actual silverware where we were <laughs> There was cutlery of sorts, <laughs> a mishmash of cutlery. Okay. Um, so I was with, uh, and this is not a spoiler alert because you will see his name when it pops up on your podcast machine. I was with uh, James Wills of Kilhoman, who is part of the Wills family, the, the family that owns the distillery. And I'd spent five day, five actually six days with him in Chicago, and, and uh, we were also with our good friend Sam Filmus, who mm. runs Impex Beverages and JVS, which is a, a distributorship in California. Anyway, uh, so we had spent a few days together, and we had some free time, aka time for breakfast. And we went to a diner that was maybe 20, 30 minutes outside of O'Hare. 
Oh, right. And, uh, and yeah, so we were in this diner that Yelp gave four and a half stars to. <laughs> I've got a feeling that you were not a four and a half star guy. I would give this six stars. Oh, right. Right. All right. That only, sounds because like the, only because of the portions. Holy <laughs> it's Chicago, crap. right? Yeah. I mean, you Chicago are. Chicago portions. Yeah. Well, it is, you know, people talk about American portions, and this is American and then some. So yeah. we, we had ordered, uh, James and I had each ordered Spartan omelets, so vegetarian omelets. All right. And they are supposed to be three egg omelets. And I would say that each omelet was about the size of a baby that was just born at six pounds seven ounces oh here's our breakfast yep i'm I'm the second spartan look at the size of that it's like the size of a small child i'm not sure i need it holy shit Wow. How many eggs? 500. There's a dozen eggs per omelet. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here we are, we're uh, we're in a booth and there's people around us chatting and talking about the weather and Aunt Harriet and eating bacon and blah, 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 and we're talking whiskey. How is Aunt Harriet? She's not doing well. Sorry to hear that. No. So on with the show. Uh, James Wills. Yeah, so... Kilhoman Distillery. Yep, James Wills, Kilhoman Distillery. So we were in Chicago. We were in Madison, Wisconsin. We were in Milwaukee. We were in Indianapolis. And uh, as we mentioned in a previous podcast... In addition to what it is, what we do that we do, one of the other things that I do is I work for Impex Beverages, which is uh, which is an importer, and one of the brands that we import is Kilhoman. So it was just convenient uh, that we had set up a week for James um, out in the Midwest, and I wanted to sit down with him and and talk about Kilhoman and the issues that they have faced. Uh, from the very start until now. You know, Kilhoman is one of those distilleries that it's so young. They're only 12 years old at this point. Yep. And people have been able to follow their journey from day one until now to, to you know, see that evolution happening. Correct. Now, we as whiskey geeks see this, and it's a fun story people who are not whiskey geeks but enjoy whiskey and get to learn about Kilhoman, you know, Americans being the cynics that they are, you know, throw a lot of questions of, you know, why is your whiskey so young and, you know, whatever. Why don't you put an age statement on there? What does Matcher Bay mean? And, you know, you know, what, and by the way, it's pronounced Matcher Bay. Um, but still Kilchoman. <laughs> it's Kiko man. It's like the soy sauce. <laughs> um, where was I going with this? I don't know. Back it up. Oh, back it up. 
Just that they're a young, new, upcoming whiskey yeah, geeks yeah, really yeah, enjoy yeah. that. Yeah, so all the story from the beginning, established whiskey drinkers want to know why everything's so young. Exactly. So I do listen. Yeah, you do. Li- well, I don't listen though. <laughs> um, however, the comparison that I make is nowadays when a distillery is started. And you can track the revolution, whether it's Kilhoman, whether it's Westland, whether it's Aaron, you know, Few Spirits, Catoctin Creek, you name it, the list goes on and on. That is such a late 20th century, early 21st century thing where you can give a shit about what these guys are doing. Back in the 1800s, when Glenn Fittick and Glenn Murray and, you know, whoever, do you think the local community were like, oh, I just heard, I just heard that, uh, <laughs> you know, Glenn Murray was opening and they, they couldn't wait until they had three-year-old whiskey. Like, that doesn't exist. You get somebody like Alfred Bernard at the end of the 19th century wandering around kind of taking mm. stock of what Scotland's distilleries um, were up to, and he went to Ireland as well. You know, there's a bit of whiskey geekdom going on there. That's a uh, very that, good point. That people were, were you know, buying that text and, and reading up on those distilleries. Um, I, I would hate to think we're in such a, a privileged position without really knowing the full history of, of how people did respond to their local distilleries. I have to change my entire, um, <laughs> you know, how I talk about Kilhoman. I've got, to, I've got to change not just Kilhoman, but how I have to talk about the position that we are as modern whiskey lovers in a massive whiskey boom. I need to change that because you're very correct. When did that book come out? Eighteen. Uh, 18- I am not sure I'm going to be spot on here, but somewhere around 1888. Right. Plus or minus three decades. Wow. (laughs) I'm always hedging my bets on this stuff. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, since we're on this tangent, and we will get to James in a second, um, there's another great book that I recommend to to as many people as I can. um, And it's, it's on my shelf. It's on my shelf. I'm just making sure it's on my shelf. Uh, Whiskey by Aeneas MacDonald. And uh, and it comes from somewhere around 1935. Okay. Give or take. All right. A decade. Give or take 100 years. Okay. Uh, Give or take. And uh, and this was was written by the the son of of teetotal parents and Hmm. uh, and was a text about how to drink this stuff. Um, It wasn't just kind of slam the worst of it, but actually find some stuff that's worth enjoying. Uh, and be sure to enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful book. So that would have been what ballpark fifty years uh, after uh, Alfred Bernard wow. was wandering around as well. So, so no, I, I think there's still a whole whiskey world uh, that that has happened before we have just come along at this current boom, and uh, and think that we're so fortunate. Yeah, I guess the difference being is how quickly it happens now. Right, we we are all incredibly interconnected, and it just seems more so. It, you know, everything is amplified now. Well, well, now Alfred Bernard would have a blog, 
right and, and we'd follow him go around right when <laughs> right. scotch odyssey cycled around yeah, and, and people yeah. followed that journey or or you look at Macduff uh, out of denmark uh, stephen browner who's working on you know making a list of all the distilleries in the world yeah, uh, yeah. from his travels yeah and and that's happening boom online right in front of us so so i so i think the it's funny when you said it all happened so quickly i think if you'd asked anthony wills like does this happen really quickly i think you would get a very different answer from him <laughs> <laughs> but you know december 2005 probably feels like about five lifetimes ago yeah. uh, for anthony and some days he shows it um, <laughs> but i as you rightly talk about with James in the interview, sometimes you get Anthony on a good day. Yes. Uh, you know, that, that once a year moment uh, when, when you can ask him for favors and he says yes. Yeah, let's, I, I, wanna, I want to jump into that portion of, awesome. of the interview really quickly because it gives us the opportunity <laughs> to pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Hooray! If we sell people casks, they then can put it on out. To people at whatever price they want, mm -hmm. um, they can sell it to whoever they want. Uh, they can bottle it in whatever bottle they want, and and you finish it in whatever cask. We we'd like to have control over what people perceive Kil Kilhoman to be, yeah. um, and and that for us is is important. And uh, so there might be a day where we are selling to vendors or independent bottlers. Um, can you call me when that happens? <laughs> well, you're one of the only people who's ever That's true. ever yeah. bottled a bottle of Kilhoman yeah, yeah, yeah. that isn't in a in a Kilhoman bottle. So, uh, don't know how. I still have no idea how you managed to, <laughs> to swing that one. <laughs> well, just like the guy in Kentucky caught yeah. your dad on a good day. Yeah, that is the trick. I think it was a June 17 is, is the day oh, to get your dad. Yeah. If you only have one good day, it means people don't ask you the rest of the year. <laughs> that part of the interview, Jason, as you know, was not the beginning of the interview. Which is funny that you say that. Yeah. Because I'm still not sure I want to jump into the beginning of the interview. Because I've got a part that, that I was spellbound by. Right. Where you, you and I have had, have had the, the fortune uh, to hang out in the Kilhoman still room and, mm. and speak to the still men in there, oh, yeah. and Good people. and I think I think their process. Oh, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> their process. Oh, there we go. Uh, there's, there's Jason. I know. <laughs> I tried to Americanize it for you. Just it, I wear it very badly. Can you try this entire next sentence in an American accent? No, 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 no. It'll be embarrassing for all of us. So. So one of the things, their process is absolutely fascinating. Mm -hmm. and, and the level of access that we've had to that process mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has really informed how we pitched our own independently bottled Kilholman that, that we just got a wee, a wee head nod over. Um, it, it changed how we pitched that, changed how you know, you've pitched Kilholman and selling the, the brand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for people that, that met us way back in the beginning of our company, when we were pouring our Kilhoman four-year-old, uh, we were also pouring the Kilhoman brand right beside it. I remember yeah. pouring the, the 2012 Macker Bay at one point. Yeah, sure. Um, and talking about Kilhoman. So, so we really had this wonderful access. And on, you know, today's interview, we put the geek in Whiskey Geek Tours. Uh, and, and I've had folk at the distillery who have had the, the pleasure of listening to this. But I think now for listeners of our podcast who enjoyed Denny Potter getting a bit geeky, who enjoyed Matt Hoffman getting a little bit geeky, mm -hmm. here's James Wills, son of Anthony Wills, founder of the distillery, getting a little geeky. 
My father was a, an independent bottler, and he, when he came to build Kilhoman, he had a knowledge of the style of whiskey he wanted to make, the casks of, that he wanted to use. Um, however, he needed to produce a good quality young whiskey because of the, the cash flow and the sort of whole business model, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so we worked with a guy called uh, Jim Swan, uh, Dr. Jim Swan, who sadly passed away this year, and he was absolutely the guy. Um, he deserves a huge amount of credit for for how he set up everything that goes on in the still house. Um, he, he's worked with he's worked with Glenn Morangy and uh, he's very much the yeah. quiet man of the industry, yeah. but has had a huge huge hand in in yeah. so many of um, big distilleries, small distilleries, and he in the sort of in the last sort of five six years he's been in such high demand and yeah. um, and absolutely. I was not surprised by that at all because you can have a 10-minute conversation with, with him. You can ask him absolutely any question under the sun, um, and he would somehow, you know, distill, uh, you know, to <laughs> put the answer down <laughs> nice into nice yeah. Fun. He would distill it down into the most um, crystal clear explanation of these things, and so he identified a couple of key things that we would do slightly differently. One of them. Is our, is our fermentation time. We have a, a minimum of 100-hour fermentation. It averages out somewhere just over 100, but can go up to 120, depending on the nuances of, of the mashes over the week. So we are we're fermenting for a lot longer. That is um, the thought process behind that is you have a huge amount of action in the first 50 hours. The strength increases, the temperatures increase, um, and there's as a result of all the fermentation that's happening, there's a lot of action in the mm. in the washback, lots of foaming, and the, you know lots going on. After that 50 hours, most distilleries will will move that that wash on because they feel that partly to do with efficiency and partly because most of the action has been completed, yeah. that they'll move that on. Uh, we keep it in there, and, and what happens is the the yeast is falling back down through the wash, and the acidity is is increasing, and. Uh, we're uh, of the belief that when you then distill that uh, longer fer fermentation, you, uh, we attribute a lot of the citrus and, and floral quality of the Kilhoman spirit and, and whiskey um, to, the, to that longer fermentation time. Um, and throughout, you know, Kilhoman's expanded in the last, um, you know, ever since we started actually, you know, we didn't start from a big base, 10 casts, but you know, each year we've, we've increased uh, production and we're somewhere at, around about sort of 200 to 300,000 at the moment. Um, whenever we've increased that production, it's never been at the cost of that fermentation time. It would be very easy for us to, to increase production and just cut 10 or 20 hours off yeah. each of our, our um, fermentation times. But we haven't done that. We put in more washbacks because we, we feel that really adds something to, to the spirit. The other thing is, is our stills. First of all, they are much smaller than the, the typical Scotch whiskey still. Mm -hmm. Um, our spirit stills uh, just over 2,000 litres and the sort of well, first of all the size means you have more copper contact which is crucial in distilling uh, that copper acts to, to effectively clean the spirit as it's, as it's distilling um, you get more uh, more of those off notes running down the still instead of being collected through the um, through the spirit safe. Sure. Dimensions. They're tall. They've got a, a reflux bulb. Again, that's all about uh, taking a heavily peated malted barley and creating a light floral whiskey. Um, and then our cuts. You know, you 
you have a, a huge range of flavors which come through the still um, when you when you first start to when it's finishing varying varying strength and and crucially varying uh, quality uh, the very start of the run not necessarily the very very start but you know after five five ten minutes uh, we actually start collecting spirit after five minutes that's lovely really floral really fresh completely clean spirit absolutely no off notes in it whatsoever is that still is that part of the four shots still so you're taking a little bit of the four shots there uh well i, I think there's probably quite a bit of debate as to where, where you know yeah. you can't necessarily quantify a four shot yeah, you know yeah, there's okay. so um you know each distillery's four shot will be different and and ours is, is a timed four shot uh, so five minutes and then you know as we start collecting spirit very very clean and we then collect for an hour other distilleries will collect for longer um, but essentially as that the longer you run the still or the longer you you collect spirit um, the more impurities you're collecting mm. so we take a very small high cut of the spirit still and um, and that means we're collecting very very clean floral spirits, um, and I always always um, caveat this with you know there's no such thing as a bad new make spirit. However, if you collect more of those off notes, yeah. it's going to take longer for it to mature out in the cask. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason why people don't drink new make spirit; they drink mature whiskey. You know, because you it takes a, a degree of maturation to to add complexity. However, if you start with a, a very good, clean, and relatively complex spirit, yeah. um, you're not going to have those that sort of raw, aggressive whiskey at, at six, seven, eight years old. You know, you're going to have um, something that's clean and fresh, um, and you know, perhaps doesn't have the complexity that it might, given more aging. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're going to have something that that is um, absolutely drinkable and absolutely, if you use the, the right casks, that's also the crucial part. You can spend as much time and, and energy as you like and attention to detail in the still house, but if you're not filling into the right casks, you know, you're, you're still not gonna have a, a good whiskey. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we, we invest the time in, in the fermentation and, and we take a quality over quantity for one of a better expression with the distilling um, and so the our new make spirit is certainly cleaner than, than most um, and that's all a product of wanting to produce an, a good quality um, young whiskey and I think Kilhoman you know I do have to say it's five year old you know five years old but you know I always find myself yeah. saying that yeah. um, because for me um, the youthfulness of Kilhoman you know the age that it is at the moment I, I entirely honestly perceive it as a positive thing. You don't have young Isla whiskey that is that floral and, and vibrant at, it, at that age. Um, and almost, I, I always think that we will have a, a young whiskey in our, in our range so that we can demonstrate that. Um, as, as long as we're sort of maturing the cast, yeah, sure, we, we want to demonstrate the progression, but I still think... Um, so many people love Kilhoman for where it's at at the moment. Yeah. Not because where it's going, but you know, because they're yeah. drinking the whiskey and enjoying it now. So uh, hopefully it gets better and better. I can't guarantee it. <laughs> you know, it might be that this is as good as it gets. Yeah. We hope not, and I don't think so personally because the yeah. stuff in the warehouse is really developing very nicely. But yeah. there is that possibility when you set out to produce a good quality five-year-old that it's not going to be great as a twenty-year-old. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. 
Okay. There you go. One thing that I want to point out to people, and, and this is something that I found fascinating when we got into this business, working on the U.S. side of things, the vast majority of work that we had to do, that we had to front load, mm-hmm. um, was figuring out legalities and you know the proper way of doing things but as we went through that that process or process i'll say a process (laughs) i'll I'll be the american um what we had found out as we are establishing our lines of supply is everything was kind of done on a handshake and then when you talk about well, you know what? We we need to get a contract in place. It's like no, no. We this is just this is just business. We're 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 gentlemen, or you know, we're just friendly business people. And and so I figured, okay, this is us as a small independent bottling company, and that's just how they want to do it because for whatever. And mm-hmm. then we get to talking with with James here. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy what it reveals. Right? And here is their entire supply chain of basically what makes up about 80% of their overall production. And he yeah. tells us yeah. a little bit about oh. how oh, don't. the sausage uh-huh. is made. Good. Cut to James Wills. The most interesting thing about your use of Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels is that there isn't a contract in place, that it's, that even at this level, it's, it, it's a handshake between your dad and some guy at Buffalo Trace. Uh, I wish like, I could remember his name. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I mean, it started off as that. To go back a few steps, we, in, when we first started, we were buying, we were filling mostly bourbon barrels, as we are now. Um, but we were buying all of those barrels from Speyside Cooperage in Scotland, who are a company that broker barrels. And, um, and you know, that was how everyone did it. So we d- didn't really think about it too much. Um, but after two or three years, we found that there was a variance, as there is always with, with barrels. But we had a, a batch of Buffalo Trace cars come through. We, we liked the consistency and the quality that they were maturing at. And... Uh, my father, as I understand it, just gave him a call and said, Can you, would you mind if we bought them direct from you? And, uh, and they said yes. Uh, there, there's an old boy at Buffalo Trace, and I think he's been there since, you know, the age of nine. And he is the man who, who sorts out where the barrels go once they've been emptied. And uh, as I understand it, he's a very nice guy. And dad went over there and met with them. And obviously, they thought he was all right must have caught him on a good day and um and we have this yeah this gentleman's agreement that we sort of tell them how many we want and when we want them and um they get loaded onto a container there and and we unload them on isla it's a gentleman's agreement we we have a very good relationship with them clearly Uh, i think a lot of people we we tell people where we source our cars because we're one of the only people who source them direct and so i think that's created a little bit of a demand perhaps for with smaller producers but you know for this single sourcing of bourbon barrels and uh, and so they certainly don't have to do it you know for them it's probably a lot easier if they yeah. just ship them all on to to someone like space i cooperage but um 
people. We certainly appreciate it, and we we attribute a lot of the the quality in our whiskies to the the fact that we source them from one place and, and we ship them whole. Um, you know, the fact that they're never broken down gives the whiskey a, an impetus that you know gives it a little bit uh, more from the from the wood uh, in a shorter period of time, um, and that that's huge, especially for a for a young whiskey. Regular listeners would remember uh, my conversation with Raj from last episode where we talked about you know the difficulties working within the U.S. market and the logistics that goes into it, and not just logistics, but you know dealing from state to state to state, all of these different strange and you know Byzantine rules and regulations. Oh, look at you! Check you. Oh, Byzantine. Oh, somebody was been doing the New York Times crossword puzzle this week (laughs) while I was on vacation. Okay. And the whole time I thought, the whole time I thought it was just getting busy with it. And then I, (laughs) and then I was like, oh, is that Bizet? No. Oh, Byzantine. Right. Okay. And did you have that written down on your microphone to pop into today's podcast at some point? No, I just, I pulled these out. I like to surprise you. Byzantine. That's, that's delightful. Is that the word of the podcast? It is so far. Continue on, my good man. So with that in mind, and actually I've recorded this before our conversation with Raj, but it's something that I think about constantly because in my day-to-day work with Impex, I understand that in New York, I need to work in a certain way because if I try to work within New York the way I work within Massachusetts, I will be breaking laws. Right. So so I wanted to ask James, not only did I want to, but I did. You I did. did. Let me let me be a little did it live. Yeah, I did it live. Um, you know, the, the difficulties that he sees working within the American market and, and he brought up a, f- a few. And as he's well, you, you'll 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 hear him talk about it. What's your most difficult market? and What makes that market difficult? I'm not just saying this because I'm in the States, but it is the States because we are one step further away from the customers who are, who are selling it, who are drinking it. We've got awkward people like yourself um, um, in the way. But no, it's, um, it's different. It's, um, there's probably more competition over here um, with American producers in particular, um, whereas in Europe and the Far East, we're spoiled, really, because... Everyone loves us. We don't have to persuade them to. Um, but uh, but that's also quite nice in a way because it presents a whole different set of challenges and and uh, you know that has its rewards provided provided you get some sort of wins amongst the the setbacks. But yeah, it's it's, um, it's definitely definitely the states because of that whole three tier system. And you don't make it you don't make it easy for people to um, buy alcohol and for producers to give people uh, variety or or um, or sort of give them the freedom to, to put out what they necessarily want to what do you what do you mean by that what what do you what are you able to do outside of the US that you're not able to do it here uh, that I mean I guess some of the single cast stuff is a bit more challenging to get into certain states. Um, but um, outside of that, you know, 
75 cl bottle you have to have specific labels you have to have uh, specific um, government warnings and such you know we have if you through our list of labels that we produce for people the general export is what we call it and that goes to 90% of the markets so I mean it's nothing nothing that big now that I really think about it but um, I guess it's perhaps also a product of again being that one step further away from from the customers so in listening to James there talking about there being someone perceived between him and his consumers mm -hmm. in this US market uh, obviously in the United Kingdom, Kilhoman can sell directly to a supermarket, say. Sure. And then, and then that supermarket sells directly to the consumer, and and James or someone associated with the distillery may show up in that supermarket. That's you know, right, and pour their whiskey, talk about the whiskey, and represent it. Mm -hmm. I was I wasn't too sure if I understood him when he was talking about this this perceived additional person in between him and the consumer in the United States. Yeah. Obviously, Kilhoman needs an importer to get into the US. That's Impex. Yeah. Impex then sells onto their distributors across the United States, and those distributors then yeah. sell onto the stores. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Yep. So, so yep. that's, that's, that's yep. the three-tier system that we have in the, in the US. But the thing for me is, when James then comes to the United States, and as is the instance with today's interview, you spend five or six days with him, mm -hmm. you're introducing him to the distributors. And, yes and he and no. can the Yes and no. Okay, so let me finish my thought and then okay, you can fill yeah, in the gaps. Then those distributors take him around stores mm -hmm. and he can do an in-store tasting. He can tell Consumers, yes, yeah, about yep. Kilhoman directly. Yeah. So, so explain to me and our our listeners here. Yeah. What's that? What's who's that extra person that James is referring to? Got it. Okay. So, think about Kilhoman. Uh, James, his brothers Peter and George, handle sales across the world in nearly every other market, other than the U.S. Their distributors sell directly to the shops or sell directly to the bars. Mm -hmm. So they'll go and they'll fly out, they'll meet their distributors and the distributors will take them to Jan's Wine and Spirits or you know what, what have you. When they think about who they sell to, everybody to them is a distributor. However, we call ourselves an importer mm -hmm. because in the US, that's what we do. We, we import. We don't necessarily distribute. So he sure. thinks of us immediately as a distributor. However, we have to sell to our distributors, and our distributors have to sell to the retailer and to the bar. So there's that extra step. So normally he would sell to his distributor, one. His distributor gotcha. would sell to the retailer, two. But now when he sells to Impex, his distributor, we call ourselves the importer, that's one. Then we sell it to our distributors. That's two. Then our distributor sells it to the retailer or bar owner. That's three. There's your three-tiered system. Yeah. And to get back to your point about taking James around and bringing him to our distributors, yes, we definitely do that. However, we are in a, uh, in a unique position where we're not just taking him to the distributors. We're also taking him 
to the retail shops and to the bars where we have relationships too. Yeah. So as an importer, we (laughs) find ourselves carrying that bottle from the producer all the way to the consumer, helping it all along the way. Now, I'm not saying our distributors aren't doing anything or the retailers aren't doing anything, but that's what we do. We just help to get that bottle finally to, well, as a for instance, if I were the consumer, I would have had this bottle that I'm showing you right now that I'm about to open, and it would have taken an importer and a distributor and a retailer to get it into my hands. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that, that makes that makes good sense. Certainly, from from our experience on on the U.S. side of things, I was I was I was just curious who James saw as as kind of the additional middleman, and and it's you. <laughs> yeah, I, no, that's. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, maybe it depends on what mood he's in. <laughs> maybe the additional middleman is us when he's angry, and maybe the additional m- middleman is our distributors when he's very pleased with us, which I imagine is all the time. All the time. James, all if you're time. listening to this, I hope you're pleased with us at this point in time. <laughs> Thank you so much, James. Thank you, of course, for the interview. Thank you for uh, spending that full week with me. That was great. And and I want to say good on you, sir, for cleaning your plate at that diner. <laughs> Scottish Clean Plate Club. Yeah, I think he did it. If I remember correctly, he definitely had more than I did. He had more of the baby than I did. <laughs> as long as neither of you threw it out with the bathwater. Oh, I don't know where he packs it, though. He's 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 a uh, he's a thin he's boy. He's a young he's a young fella. Yeah, that could be it. You know, that's. I'm not gonna get into how. You know what? He's married now. Oh, that's uh, gonna that's, change. He keeps eating uh, the way he does. Just gotta watch out. He exercises I mean, though. He takes care of himself. I feel like this is today's least least appropriate part of the podcast. <laughs> Hypothesizing over how yeah. many notches he's gonna let out on his belt <laughs> now that he's both married and a member of the Clean Play Club. <laughs> Well, you know why it's gotten a little uh, inappropriate? Oh. I had a couple sips of whiskey because I don't know if you remember this or not, but you and I tend to drink whiskey while we record our podcast. Do you know how much Kilhoman I have on my shelf? Not enough. I have, I have a lot of Kilhoman on my shelf. See, I still a, not enough. For a guy who doesn't sell the brand professionally in the United States, I have a lot on my <laughs> shelf that I pour for people when they come over. So. Yeah, um, favorite, also, right? also have to also have to tell a quick yeah quick story. Um, and, oh, sorry, if you heard a bang at home, uh, that was me just banging my table. I do apologize. Um, a quick story, and I don't know if I told this in previous podcasts. I was leading a whiskey tour, September of two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my good friend Carl England uh, was on tour, and uh, we we're going along. And on the particular date that we were on the ferry going to Isla, was the grand release of Kilhoman Inaugural. Oh, right. And uh, and I was saying to Carl, I can't believe we're gonna get to Isla just as this is being released. We are gonna get our hands yeah. on Kilhoman Inaugural at the distillery oh, in wow. person. This is gonna be amazing. And the sun was splitting the heavens. There was not a cloud in the sky. <laughs> Everything was perfect, perfect. Yeah. And we get to the island, 
and uh, and we, we must have stopped in at, at Kalila just because Bloom is right there. So we, we stop in at Kalila. And as we're at Kalila, the person behind the counter gets a telephone call. And she says, oh, well, just, just make sure my two get held. Thanks, oh, no. thanks very much. Oh, no. I was like, uh, excuse me there. <laughs> what, what, what were your, if you don't mind me inquiring, what were, your, what were your two that were being held? And she said, oh, Kilhonan is the newest distillery on the island. Uh-huh. And uh, today's their inaugural release. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, and that was somebody on the phone just telling me, the 300 that were available at the distillery are all sold out. Oh. <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> we're heading there right now to buy bottles. And she said, oh, I'm really sorry. They're, they're all gone. <laughs> okay. So, so we headed over anyway. Yeah. And uh, I, think we, I think we saw Anthony. And I uh, said, oh, it's inaugural release. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. And he said, oh, they're, they're all sold out. I said, oh, no. He said, however, we've got some of these. And, uh, and I, f- I, forget, I forget the name of his brand, but it, again, like a lot of distilleries I've done in the US, mm-hmm. he was packaging mature stock to be independently bottled oh. while they were waiting on the Cahoman spirit yeah. uh, uh, get yeah. old enough to sell. And he said, I've got these. This is a bull more. I said, I... No thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for the inaugural Cologne. <laughs> it's all gone. So, yeah. Oh, to make man. a long to make a long story longer, um, it then became a, a personal uh, endeavor of mine to mm-hmm. to acquire Cologne inaugural, and, uh, and so thankfully, uh, Scotch whiskey auctions came along, mm-hmm. uh, not 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 too much longer after that, and. Um, and lo and behold, I started following the inaugural pricing at, at auction, and uh, and I picked up a bottle or two or three, and uh, and I have one remaining unopened wow. uh, on my shelf, and um, I'm a I'm a very proud owner of it. I thought the inaugural release was absolutely cracking. Uh, James mentioned in today's interview, Yunkel Holman is exceptional. Exceptional. Absolutely oh yeah. Exceptional. Yeah. What I have in my glass is a little bit of the 2017 Loch Gorm. Yep. So, uh... When was, when was that released? Not too long ago. It, it just hit. It just hit here. Yep. Uh, eight years. Eight years in sherry. Yeah. All eight years in that sherry? All eight years in sherry. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but it's not overdone. It's, uh... And it's all first fill. Uh, but so, so nicely balanced. Very happy with it. Oh, look at that. What do you have? Um, early in the podcast, I mentioned that when we first launched Single Cast Nation, we um, we did the, the brand-owned bottlings yes, alongside our independent bottlings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just happened to mention the 2012 Macker Bay. Yeah. And so I poured a little 2012 Macker Bay. Well, cheers, Jason. Cheers, indeed. So now that we've uh, wetted our whistles a little bit, I thought it'd be high time to... Uh, to bring up the news. This is our time. It's our time down here. As, as, as. This is my wish. I'm taking it back. I just let you get it out of your system. I just let you get it out of your system. That's all I do. Let you get it out of your system. As, as. We mentioned earlier in the podcast, November 9. 
will be the Whiskey Jubilee Chicago. Chicago, year three. Yep. And we're back at Artifact Events. Artifact Events. Yeah, some people know it as Architectural Artifacts. It's just mm-hmm. a great, great old warehouse, and they sell a lot of architectural artifacts, you know, antique. <laughs> That's you know, exactly di- what it says on the tin. Well, you know, you go in there, and there's, you know, in the upper floors, they've, they've got so many rooms. And so not the rooms that, that we will inhabit, but in some of the other rooms, you look, they have these old, like, meat-cutting machines from the <laughs> 20s. Just rows of them. You want them? They're yours. You, everybody re- needs 1920s meat-cutting machines. I just remember us rolling an airplane under the stairs oh, before right. we uh, could uh, set up for the Jubilee last year. Yep, an actual uh, airplane. Yeah. That plane will be back. <laughs> We're doing it in a hangar. So, so November yeah, so 9. November 9 from yeah. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah. And uh, if listeners are in the Chicago area or would like to get to the Chicago area for uh, that Jubilee, uh, we've got the discount code for you. Yes. It's a collection of letters, but as Josh helps me remember it, that's the first letter of each of the words. Early bird gets the worm. 217 or EBGTW217. Now we get you 15% off your ticket uh, and takes your takes your ticket from a $95 value down to $80.75. So is there anywhere else in the world that you can think of, Jason, where for $80.75 plus ticketing fees because we we use a ticketing website. Is there anywhere else in the world where you can have access to 250 whiskeys or so, give or take, unlimited food and cigars for three hours? It's pretty good value. That, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. That is a cheap, cheap night out. Oh, no, cheaps for whores, Josh. We've had this conversation in previous episodes. <laughs> cheaps for whores. This is far from cheap. It is an incredible value. value. Thank you. Thank you. Jason, you and your words. This is high-class escort stuff. This this is not horse. Okay? This is not horse. When is the early bird able to get the worm until? The early bird will be able to get the worm until... July 20. So from this date go. until July 20, 2017. So July 5 is the, the release of this podcast. Yep. So you have 15 days. Okay, from one the five. release don't, of this podcast. Don't dilly dally. To turn a $95 ticket into an $80 ticket. Make that's it a, happen. That's, we, that's a saving worth moving on. We want to see people. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I think yeah. I think year two we really really had a good mm-hmm. a good time, and uh, yeah, this will be the this will be the first time we've had a full year of interviews at the Whiskey Jubilee. Yeah, yeah. Cracked it in Seattle, cracked it in New York, off to Chicago. Gonna crack it. Release the Kraken. That's awesome. Can't wait. Um, okay, so moving on from the Whiskey Jubilee news, we have now launched mm-hmm. our first ever single cask from the English Whiskey Company. Yes. Nine years old, all nine years, and first Phil Sauterne has these wonderfully concentrated fruit notes on it. Mm. Uh, 
went over fantastically well uh, in private tastings, went over fantastically well at the Whiskey Jubilee, uh, which was its public debut. Yep, New York City uh, Jubilee. Yep. Uh, yes, I know I'm still in June 15 mindset there. Um, and so, yeah, everything about fantastic, available on the website, singlecastnation.com, $105, a mere $10 to get it to your doorstep. And if you purchase more bottles, it'll still only cost you $10 flat rate to get them flat to your doorstep. Yep. yep. We always joke, buy it in your pajamas, collect it in your pajamas, drink it in your pajamas, no judgment zone. <laughs> no, because you're just describing what you and I do. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. There you go. Yeah, what else do we have? Do we have anything else that we that we want to or need to report in the uh, news? I, I don't know if people want to know that our second release of retail casks has been bottled in Scotland. We're just waiting on them being labeled and Maybe put on a boat. Yeah. Maybe they want to know that. You know what? I was not aware, Jason, that, that you were going to announced to everybody that second batch of uh, whiskeys has been bottled and it's going to be you, coming over? You know me when it comes to hinting. I'm all or nothing. No, no you're terrible. I'm terrible. either too much or, or not enough. I'm going to list out the bottlings that are coming in our second release for retail, Single Cast Nation. Are you ready? I'm born ready. <laughs> so we have a 10-year-old Laphroaig, 2006. What? Yes. Uh, a 10-year-old Laphroaig single cask a for retail. A 10-year-old Laphroaig single cask for retail. I knew that, and I'm still shocked. <laughs> and that is a ex-bourbon cask, incredibly small outturn. Just got 140 bottles out of that. Then we have, and I'm really excited about this, um, we have a 20-year-old Inchmarin coming out. Inchmarin comes from which distillery, oh, Joshua? That is from the Loch Lomond distillery. Awesome. Captain Haddock's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The Tintin fans tin, among tin, us. Tintin, yeah. Those that know Loch Lomond. Not Rin Tintin. No, not Rin Tintin. I'm not going to let that go. No, 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 no. I said not Rin Tintin. Tin. I said Tintin Tin. I, I, see? Tintin Tin. It's not Tintin Tin. I know that's Tintin. Not Rin Tintin. It's not Tintin Tin. Jason. Tintin. I just added a third tin. Don't. It feels like a triumvirate. Don't. Wow. I fit a nerve. <laughs> so 20 year old Inchmurn. Inchmurn is uh, Loch Lomond's very fruity style of whiskey, not peated at all. 62.4% alcohol. So very excited about that. Um, 62.4 after 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's decent. It's decent. Uh, another older whiskey. We've got a 28 year old Cambus single grain mm. and now this one is quite unusual uh this is 42.6 percent alcohol it spent 28 years in um in refill bourbon but was transferred for six months into a first fill muscatel barrique and uh oh it is just what did uh what did jess and sweet scott say about this one exceptional amazing out of this world like drinking cotton up. candy something like that just they were yeah very happy very yeah. happy with very that. happy um now the reason why i wanted to say our next set of bottlings is because this next one i'm about to talk about is not a whiskey and my brother is excited for this one is he uh-huh we're on his radar uh we don't need to go that we don't need to go there okay 
So Murray will be happy to know that this is uh, an 18-year-old Spanish rum. Ugh. Yeah. An interesting ABV, 49%, and we only got 135 bottles. There you go. So really small, interesting uh, outturn there. And then we have a Milton Duff, a nine-year-old Milton Duff, nine years in refill bourbon. That's another one of those. If you don't necessarily know the name, um, I wouldn't reject it out of hand. There's there's a lot to offer. Uh, a bit like, you know, we've discussed it many, many, many times, but a bit like our Glen Talkers, <laughs> right? Folk don't know what it is. Don't think that they'll like it because if it was good, they would have heard of it by now. Um, I think Milton Duff can often fall into the same category of that's a Scottish distillery. <laughs> you know, I've certainly I, never heard of it. I don't I don't think this is going to be worthy of my time. I bring this up to people all the time in Scotland right now. You've got about 140 distilleries because, you know, newer ones have popped up. Right. So traditionally speaking, it, the number was somewhere around 120. So let's call it 120. Let's let's forget the new ones that have popped up in the past five years. No offense to those people, but it makes sense that the majority of them would not have their own single malt. But the point that I want to make here, of those 120 established distilleries, only about 60 of them have some sort of single malt that they put out. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of their output doesn't even go to single malt. It goes into blends. So it would make sense that you will not have heard of at least 50% of all the Scottish distilleries that are out there. And the ones that you have heard of, you're only tasting a tiny amount of what they produce. Because really, these distilleries are meant to create product to go into blends. Yep. Right, so little little geekery there in our news segment, not too bad. And then the last thing that I want to mention, and this is a California exclusive. It's a JVS exclusive. Um, so if you live in California, you'll be very happy. If you live in a state that ships from California to your state, you will also be happy. Uh, this is a 21-year-old Tormor. Oh, yeah, we love Tormor, lovingly known as Tormordor at times. We we do. Some people like that big pepper on it. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes it manifests itself much more than others. And uh, if memory serves from our selection, this this isn't the big pepper. No, no. This is uh, this is a little more on the delicate side, and it's it's a lower ABV too. It's forty nine percent alcohol. Oh, very accessible every which way, man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so those are our new whiskeys. They've been bottled. They're about to be labeled. And they should be as of as of July fifth in about three to four days, give or take. They will be picked up and on the water and coming over to the U.S. And you should start seeing these hit store shelves sometime in the August September time frame. Uh, yeah. September is probably playing it yeah, safe. Yeah, that's probably let's, let's play it safe. Nice. So uh, yeah, so so there you go. Is that it for the news? Or that's good. That makes me excited. We're always working on different yeah. things. It's always nice to get a chance to reveal them and let yeah. folk know. We're not just two jamokes with a microphone rambling on the interwebs. Well, we, we are actually... two jamokes, and we have and we do ramble on the interwebs. Yeah. I'm not saying any part of that isn't true, but it's not the full <laughs> definition of us. 
We also get some work done behind the scenes All when right. I'm not vacationing in Southern California. Oh, man. I'm so jealous. I also worked, man. I got no, good work true. done. It's true. It's true. It's true. Anyway. Anyway, that wraps up the news. Yeah. On to misconceptions. Yeah. I had a, a fun conversation with James about uh, this misconceptions portion of the podcast, and I was able to pull... Uh, a misconception out of him. So I'm going to hand it over to, uh, one last time, I'm going to hand it over to Mr. James Wills. Thank you again for the conversation, and thank you for this interesting misconception. Probably the most, the one I, not necessarily the one I get asked most, but one which is I can sort of quite easily dispel is the fact that some people think that the peatiness of a whiskey comes from the peatiness of the water. Um, and because they come to Ireland, <laughs> they go into the, into the loos at Kilhoman and they're flushing away sometimes because yeah. the peatiness, the peatiness of the water in the in the tanks there is such that they, you know, they don't think they'll be using bog water to produce their whiskey. But um, yeah. yeah, they think the peatiness that's in the water comes through in the whiskey. And and for us, yeah. that uh, I would say it has has no influence whatsoever in terms of the peatiness of the water. Just just to uh, give people a visual, when you go in into the bathrooms at Kilhoman, the water that you're using to distill is the water that you're using, right? Yeah, so I mean, washing it, hands. It, it runs off the hill. It runs it, off the hill, yeah. and it's and it's brownish. It's yeah. brownish in color because yeah. it's running through the peat. I mean, it looks it looks a lot like it's browner, but it's a similar kind of um, clarity to sort of apple juice or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. concentrate apple juice. Um, so it's very, very brown, and it's it's an entirely understandable perception. However, you know it doesn't come from that. It comes from the smoking of of the barley, the smoking of the malt it, um, before you mm. it enters into the into the still house. Um, often the the emphasis on water is is overdone in general. Mm. Um, that's not to say um, it's not important to other distilleries. However, we put little. Um, yeah. Emphasis, emphasis on on, yeah. on the water itself. Jason, we we continue to get some really nice uh, questions in, uh, but the other thing we continue to do is really run overtime in our uh, <laughs> in, in our recording sessions here. Us um, overtime? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I just passed. My wife said, "Oh, is that you done?" I said, "No, we're halfway. It's a three-hour recording session." Yeah. And she said. I thought it was just one hour. I said, no. <laughs> we, we don't even edit it down to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just to give you an idea of the backlog we have, uh, the question that I'm going to read today gets, uh, it actually came from James Foster, who's who's written in before and, and friend of the podcast, a good old friend of yours. He sent over four questions, and one of which, and we'll only get, um, we're only going to get to one this, this time around, uh, but this one's a little bit of a, a two-parter, and so he says, I think you may have done this already, but it may be worth doing it again. I was surprised to learn that single cask didn't mean having always been in a single cask, since several casks could be combined uh, and finished in a single cask, and then called single cask. Mm -hmm. So, is there a term for stuff in a bottle where every drop of which always has been together from distillation to glass? 
and then he goes on to saying, um, and could we get a recap of the term single cask, natural cask strength, cask strength, vatted? And he said, okay, I know that one, etc. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think the the cask strength and the natural cask strength is an interesting one. I'm I, you know, <laughs> we're busy boys, and we've said this many times. We don't do any research before we answer these emails. <laughs> we just kind of jump in with what we know and what we've been saying, you know, at, at all of our tastings. And so I I don't know if there's anything formally written down for natural cast strength and cast strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always differentiated between the two. My understanding is that cast strength begins at 50% alcohol. Natural cast strength for me has always been as it came out of that cask. Yeah. Uh, and and we always are very sure to say everything we bottle. Uh, is at natural cask strength. Yeah. So that, that list that you just made in the news where the canvas comes in at 42% alcohol, that's how it came out the cask for us. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not diluted down. Uh, we have not touched that strength. Um, the people that we've purchased that cask from have not diluted that down in the cask. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the natural state of affairs for that canvas. Uh, meanwhile, the was it the Inchmurrin is coming in at a whopping sixty-two percent. Yeah, point four. Uh, yeah. Tw- tw- Twenty. So say it again. Sixty-two point four. You know, just you getting back to that exactitude. You and your point four is that nobody cares. Mm. Anyway, so so you know, the, each of these casts is just telling its own story. But for us, that's always a natural cast strength. Yeah. That's how it came out of the cask. And part of our transparency with our labeling and with our our messaging has been to let people know we deal in natural cask strength. But I think for the most part nowadays, it's fair to say that cast strength and natural cast strength. With some outliers, you know, those two terms can be, you know, are interchangeable. But I still think we're getting back to our whiskey geekdom, which is if a, if a cask naturally goes into that bottle at 50% alcohol, I'm, a, I'm chill. I'm 100% cool with that. If you've diluted that down to 50% alcohol, I want to know that. I need to know that. So are you saying that they should not... Be allowed to use the term cask strength if it's been diluted i mean that's that's where i am i don't think if the swa the scotch whiskey association yeah. is in the business of making labeling clear for consumers <laughs> it should be fully divulged using whatever language whatever terminology you want to use that that was diluted to 50 percent alcohol in the same vein mm-hmm. and i just said this the other day to somebody Telling me that something has been matured in oak is telling me nothing at all. Yeah. Nothing at all. No, nothing so that, at all. Yes. So that's that's Terrible. why from day one we've yeah. got ahead of our own messaging and yeah. said everything we do is natural cast strength. Doesn't say that on a label. We're just going to give you the ABV. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe where the point enters into the conversation mm-hmm. for you mm-hmm. and why you're always adding it. Um, because it showed, if we were to get something at 50% alcohol, it would be 50 point something. And if it was 50.0, I'm not sure that we'd be able to bottle that in good conscience. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just get ahead of the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is yeah. a natural cast strength of 50.0% alcohol. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just yeah. think if SW is in the business of being clear, there's a point where things could be clearer. Yeah. And I'm not just... 
isolating OMC, I, I like Old Malt Cask a lot. I've, I've bought a lot of Old Malt Cask oh, over yeah. the years, and I loved it when it was coming in at 50% alcohol, and I knew that it was yeah. diluted down to that. I've got some great this, be great Morris, yeah. This would be great if we get an angry letter from uh, Douglas Lang oh, or whichever yeah. side of the company got OMC. Yeah. Um, yeah telling us we never dilute to 50 percent. i have no idea what you're talking about well that'd be, be that would be a falsehood it'd be great if i just completely made something up and then i would deny making it up and then i would say <laughs> I'm, I'm being presidential i don't know what to tell you hey hey <laughs> so uh then the other part of his question was about single cask and, and you know what that means and so what i would say here Mm-hmm. And actually, he said, is there a term for stuff in a bottle where every drop of which always had been together from distillation to glass? Nope. No, there isn't a specific term there. Uh, but, you know, if, if there are some industry insiders that, um, you know, know something that we do not, please feel free to write in and let us know. Uh, but I want to get back to this single cask thing. Because <laughs> you and I, sir. It does. It echoes, doesn't it? You and I, sir, are in the business of finding single casks of whiskey mm-hmm. that we love, and we mm-hmm. bottle that single cask of whiskey. How that single cask got to where it was, you know, we do care about the cask provenance of it. But what we really care about in the end is, was that a good whiskey? Mm-hmm. So we bottle a single cask at a time. Now, the industry would say that our Glen Murray, you know, six years bourbon, six year Madeira is not a single cask uh, because the whiskey didn't spend its life in that style in a single cask or in that style of single cask for its full term. However, what we bottled was a single cask, and we just remain transparent about the uh, cast provenance there but where it gets a little sticky is you could take a single cask of whiskey that spent six years in first fill sherry and move it to a refill sherry cask and still call it single cask because it went from sherry cask to sherry cask yeah yeah those those, those are the regulations yeah. Uh, but when it comes to single cask nation, we are in the business of bottling single casks, and we will tell you how that single cask came to be what it is. And sometimes there's a fun story there, and sometimes it's just a great cask of whiskey that's been sitting down for, for 20, 25, 28 years, whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that that within the industry, there, there are moments when the consumer sometimes thinks they've been misled mm-hmm. and and i would i would maybe parse it as if you've got that level of knowledge about the industry it's on you to remain informed and find the companies that are transparent mm-hmm. find find those companies that align with your personal beliefs about whiskey and, and understand that that many different producers are 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 conducting business in many different ways throughout the industry yeah yeah and be cool with that right it's 
maybe we don't all need to do it the same way. Maybe it's okay to have some folk who are single cask that are sherry into sherry and, and on the jolly well go. And maybe it's fine to have some where every single drop was in that cask from the very beginning. The, yeah. the, the goal is to just unearth that for your own sake. That's, and, if, and if you can't, yeah. you know, you know, feel free to walk away from that producer. They're, they've got plenty of other fans and plenty of other people who like what they're doing. You know, let, let me throw something out there, though. You know, th- there are those that will get, I don't know if up in arms is the term. Up in arms oh, is not the term. No? I think up in arms is totally okay. the term. To up in arms is the term. Where if things aren't 100% transparent yeah. uh, based on that particular person's current understanding of how the industry works, they say, oh, this is terrible. They're, you know, they're, we're being misinformed. Yep. However, what they're what these producers are doing, whether I don't know about the level of transparency they have, but they're doing something that may be a little bit out of the norm. What I want to make sure of is what I found is a lot of these people that tend to be up in arms about these things are the same people who are up in arms about the Scotch Whiskey Association being so stringent on the regulations. <laughs> Loosen up your regulations. Come on, let let John Glazer talk about, you know, three years old and 27 years old. And it's, you know, this really is a 27-year-old. Yeah, there's 0.03% three-year-old. Give us the transparency. So if you're going to be up in arms, <laughs> you know, Try to be a little more uniform about what you're up in arms about. Maybe am I saying that right? Yeah, Do you know no, that's, what I'm a, saying that's here? a fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. That's you a know, fair if, point. If if you want a little less regulation in SWA, or perhaps allow them to allow producers to be a little more transparent, then maybe be a little more cool with those working within the already set guidelines to to offer up something different to you. Yeah. I mean, in the end, what do you care about? Is it good whiskey at a fair price? Then dig in a little deeper. Yeah. There you go. Oh, let, hold on. Let me let me just get off this soapbox. Okay. There we go. Did we <laughs> did we get any other letters, Jason Johnson? Yellow. Uh, we did. We did. We did. We did. Uh, a little more uh, recent than that. This one isn't actually a question, but it's it's a very nice compliment. It's always nice to read compliments. Oh, I like. And then we've got some feedback. Oh. Uh, for the person that wrote in. Yeah. So here we go. So Shane Holden uh, writes in for the very first time, and the subject heading says it all. A simple shout-out. All right. So, so here's a simple shout-out from Shane Holden. Gents, just joined Single Cast Nation up here in Canada, though unfortunately can't have bottles shipped up here, as you know. <laughs> we do know that. Yes, I do. Uh, first came across you folks in what I believe was the second edition of Secret Spirits Scotch Whiskey uh, Advent yeah. Calendar, <laughs> uh, which was an honor to be involved in that, and then yes. more recently stumbled upon your podcast. I'd star rate review it, but I listen through Google Play, uh, and I'm not sure if the option is there. Uh, Rest assured, if it is, I'll find it and do so. 
Um, and so that's our thing is even if you don't listen through iTunes, you can go to iTunes just to the store and uh, you can rate and review the podcast in there. And if you do that, we're always very appreciative. Yep. Um, and then he says, I got to say, the dynamic you two have on there is fucking hilarious. <laughs> look at that. I didn't think Canadians swore, but we have it in black and white now. Wow, look at that. Uh, anyway, that is it for now. Again, just a shout out to say I really enjoy what you guys are doing and will definitely keep my eyes out for those retail releases the next time I'm in the States. Sure. Nice. So, yeah, thanks to Shane for taking the time to send in a note. That's We loved hearing those types of things, and kind words are always much appreciated. Um, just to let you know, Shane, uh, even though our, our U.S. Retail, retail releases are not on Canadian shelves, we do have Single Cast Nation product uh, for sale in uh, some stores in Alberta. And uh, if you reach out to secretspirits.com forward slash contact, uh, you can ask them where to find uh, Single Cast Nation product. Uh, I'll also uh, be in Alberta in October and I'll be doing store pourings in Lethbridge, Calgary and Edmonton. And I always enjoy getting back to Alberta. It's a fun place. It's a great place. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed doing the drive. And the last time I was there was actually pre-inauguration. Uh, and so I'll see how my uh, global travel pass does getting me back in my nexus. <laughs> getting me back into the U.S. So, let's see. That's the third so, time right there, Jason. So that's October. Actually, I did. Uh, I was telling my kids last week that I'll be in with with Joshua. I'll be in Mexico, Oaxaca, in uh, August. Yes, that's right. Uh, and without missing a beat, my kids said, "Will you be allowed back in?" Oh. And so we uh, talked the kids through. Uh, well, Dad's got you know he's got his green card and he's got his passport and he's got his global entry and so he should be okay. But as soon as they heard Mexico and uh, United States access, they were very nervous. I got to tell you, you've always been good at climbing walls too. So I think you're good. So my years pole vaulting, <laughs> doing something with a pole. <laughs> <laughs> inevitable special thanks again to to james and to shane for writing in it's it's always nice to get questions and and to get kind words uh thrown at us we, we like the kind we're, words. we're only human if you cut us we're, we bleed so yeah. <laughs> so yeah so saying nice things is, is lovely to hear and if you haven't had a chance to review us yet or rate us please do go along to itunes uh, find us in the, the store there and, and please I, I haven't looked there in a good month or so but have you been checking see if people are still yeah we've got a, we've got a few extra with some really nice words there and oh, thank you yeah thank you and and for those that wonder why we ask these things the more good reviews we get and the more um, the more that people leave comments on it, uh, the easier it is that other people will find us because iTunes will say, oh, these guys must be good. They may be doing something that other people are, you know, looking for. So exactly so please, right. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead and do that. Uh, we just want to do more and more podcasts. So uh, you commenting allows us to do that. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and if you want to reach out to us, please do so at questions at one nation under whiskey.com um, if you want to tweet at us which by the way natalie 
responded. I called her out. <laughs> I called her out last one. I said, I'm calling you out. And now she has an Instagram account as well. Oh, does she? <laughs> <laughs> but she said she had to up up her game. So thank oh, you for responding to the shout-out. That was nice. So that's <laughs> – if you're a Twitterer, uh, you can reach us at, at One Nation Whiskey, and that is, of course, Whiskey Without Me. Uh, Instagram, at One Nation Under Whiskey. And on the face place, uh, facebook.com slash one nation under whiskey. Have I left anything out? Don't think so. Don't think so. I think I nail it. Just like every week, nail it. Fucking nail it. If you want to come visit us, I'm at. If you want to visit Josh, he'll take you to New Haven for pizza. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anybody who is interested in coming to Connecticut and wants to do a pizza tour. Please reach out to me. Questions at One Nation Under Whiskey. Come to Connecticut. Let's get pizza. Let's do whiskey and beer. And we can throw it in other people's faces and say, boom. Coming soon, One Nation Under Pizza. (laughs) One Pizza Under Nation? No, that's it. You had it right. Okay, I think we've we've run out of things to say. I don't think we'll ever run out of things to say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm ready for my day off on Monday. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, we've got uh, July 3rd, and then America's birthday coming up the day after. That's July 4th, Jason. But you know what? Let's end this podcast. I gotta feed my kids. Oh, really? Oh, look at the time. Yeah. Look at that. I still feel like I'm on vacation. I'm still on the West Coast. It's only just after breakfast time for me. <laughs> okay, more stuff coming in two weeks. In two weeks. Cheers, Jason. Um, everyone oh. have a happy fourth. Have a happy fourth. Um, Hope they had oh. a happy fourth. Oh, right, because they will have heard this. I'm not after. wishing you a happy fourth. No? <laughs> to be heard on, on July 5th. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, Joshua, it's time for you and me to get out of here. Yes. I hope people enjoyed the podcast. Hope they enjoyed the interview with James. Mm-hmm. Hope they enjoyed the questions from James, the comment from Shane, uh, and our general rambling banter time. <laughs> and we'll be back for the next episode in another two weeks. In another two weeks. So uh, until then, cheers. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>